Welcome to the third Sunday of Advent. The Christmas season is one of the busiest times of year, but it is also a season of reflection and preparation for that special day we mark Emmanuel's coming, the arrival of our eternal God in our own frail humanity. The birth of Jesus is the greatest of history's many wonders, something too stupendous to celebrate just on one day. Two weeks ago, we began the season of Advent with the lighting of the candle of hope. Last week, we lit the candle of peace, and today we light our candle of joy. The joy that Jesus came to bring is from outside this world. It is the very own joy that Jesus himself has in God the Father. It is the same joy that he wants to give us. Joy is trusting when you want to doubt. Joseph and Mary must have had many doubts when they were approached by an angel. This Christmas, let us trust the Lord completely. Joy is receiving what you want to reject. This Christmas, let us make room for others in our life. Hebrews 13.2 says, Don't neglect to show hospitality, for doing this, some have welcomed angels as guests without knowing it. Joy is celebrating when you want to fear. This Christmas, remember this truth. Jesus is with you. He is with you in your greatest victories and your most humiliating defeats. Luke chapter 18, verses 8 through 11, and there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping their watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. Let us pray. Father in heaven, thank you for sending Jesus into our world. Thank you for the joy that he brings in the midst of our doubts and fears. We confess that we have brought some of those with us to church this morning. May, may, be, leave, may we leave here today filled with joy and peace as we learn to trust in you completely. Amen. So we're moving through the the weeks of Advent, which is the anticipation or the, of the arrival of Christ coming into the world. And so Christ coming in to bring us hope, which we spoke about a few weeks ago, and Christ coming into the world to bring us peace. And then this morning, we're talking about Christ coming to bring us joy. So I typically do this throughout the week. I'll ask people questions to get just some feedback and some answers to uh, to help me write my sermon. It's like, hey, what do you think about this particular topic or subject? I'll start out on Tuesday morning with the guys who come to Bible study at Burger King, and then we'll, just whoever I come in contact with have re, or a conversation with, I'll ask these questions. And this week I had the opportunity to be a substitute teacher on Friday, which by the way, every time I substitute teach, I have a new greater love and respect for teachers. How you do it five days a week, I have no idea. But bless you, may the Lord just give you peace, hope, joy, amen, all right? Which is, which is cool that we can say that here it's in, a, in a school because that happens all the time, right here in the hallways and the classrooms of the school. And so we're blessed by that. So while I was there, I was asking students, I said, okay, uh, joy is. And I left it up on the board. And so a lot of the students participated, not all of them, but most of it was stuff like, well, it's happiness, right? Unlimited happiness is joy. Uh, contentment. Joy is good food. 
it's teenagers for one. Uh, joy is peace and love. Joy is a fruit of the Spirit. Actually, you know, when it talks about Christ coming to live inside of us, the Spirit comes to live inside of us, he brings fruits. Where the, actually, the fruit of the Spirit is joy and peace, patience, kindness, those things. So it is part of that. It's, and then someone wrote, it's not happiness. Well, so wait a minute, wait a minute. I thought someone said it was happiness, but it's not happiness. Actually, a young lady wrote a card out. She handed it to me. She was leaving the classroom. She says, I really don't know what joy is, but I do know that you can find it in the Lord. Even when you're in a bad time in your life or you're experiencing sorrow, joy could be possible. That was an interesting perspective. That was pretty common theme in asking this question to different people. That came about a lot. So James chapter 5, and so obviously you look in Scripture, you look for different uh, Scriptures that have the word joy in them, and this is this thought of Jesus coming into the world. He's bringing these, this joy into our life. And in James chapter 5, it says, in verse, or James chapter 1, I'm sorry, in verse 2, it says that we should consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. That, that doesn't... That's hard, to, that's hard to grab a hold of, isn't it, in our lives when we're going through difficult times. But we are to consider it pure joy, brothers and sisters, whenever we face many trials or trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance, and let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, and he'll give it to you generously without finding fault. Considering it pure joy when we're facing many trials. And we are humans. We're breathing in and out. We live on a planet. All of us obviously face trials. Different kinds of trials or some very similar. And that's one of the things that's, that's beautiful about coming together in a place like this is that when you're in this room, even if you're sitting by yourself, you're not alone. There are people around you who they get it, they understand, right? They know, and they, they've been through difficult times. They've had things happen in their life. We, we all watch the news. We all have the same kind of experiences. And so we're not alone. We can, we can actually together walk through these trials together. And that's, I think that's one of the ways we find joy, because when we're doing it together, he's writing to a group of people, brothers and sisters, he says, consider it pure joy when we go through these trials, because you don't go through it alone. You go through it with each other. The joy of the Lord is your strength in the midst of the trial. Do you ever experience, like, even when things are really going hard, maybe that's when you've experienced God the most? You're like, man, I, I'm in my darkest place, but it seems like I'm, I'm closer to God now than I've been in a long time. We don't necessarily want that or ask for that, but I think that can happen in us. So this, this idea of happiness, I thought about this too when it comes to joy. Happiness is an emotion that can disappear as quickly as it rises to the surface, right? How many of you are happy one moment, and then something happens immediately, and you're not happy anymore? Happy goes away. Yeah, happy comes and happy goes. But instead, joy that we can experience in the Lord is a choice. It can be a choice that we make. We can decide. Just like next week we talk about, we'll talk about love, and love is that way. Love is a choice. It's a decision that you make. So when we're going through difficult times or just in everyday situations, we can choose to have an attitude of doubt 
She spoke about it during the reading of the Advent. We can have an attitude of doubt, rejection, or fear. Or, in the midst of that, we can choose to pursue the joy of Christ. Maybe in all those things we can choose to pursue the joy of Christ. I love, I love this passage of Scripture. Look at John chapter 15. John chapter 15, around verse 11. Jesus is speaking to his followers. He's getting ready to complete the task that he had been he had been given. And around John, let's start at 15, verse 9. So Jesus is speaking to his followers and he's giving them some final instructions. And he says, As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. And listen to the reason why Jesus tells him these things. He says, I've told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. Then he says, my command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Jesus wants to make his joy complete in us. I think just in every situation or circumstance in my life, especially as I look back, I think about how God was just continually trying to to make his joy complete in me. And sometimes that was because, that was as a result of me having to go through difficult times. Like I look back and say, "Why, why did I have to go through that? And I Part of the answer is is Jesus like, I'm trying to make my joy complete in you. So you're going to have to go through these things. You're going to have to trust me. You're going to continue to abide in me, love me, love each other, love me and love each other. And when you do these things, I'm going to make this joy complete in you. So So maybe the fruit of abiding in Jesus, just really resting and knowing and, and, and focusing in on him, especially at a time like this and the season like this, Part of the fruit of that is joy. We start to experience that joy in a deeper measure. But I also think joy comes from spending time not just with him, but loving and spending time with each other, right? And loving others and serving others. I think there's a real profound truth that it's better to give than receive, right? And I think we can experience joy, at least I know it's true in my own life, that we can experience true and lasting joy. Joy that we can touch kind of with our hands and smell it and taste it when we're actually serving somebody else. I was riding in a car a few days ago with an older gentleman. His name's Charles. Charles has a story. You know anybody that has a story? When they tell you their story, the first thing you think is, how are you even still alive, for one? <laughs> and, and not only are you alive, the fact that you are just passionate about Jesus and serving Jesus and loving others is just amazing. Like, how did you come from where you were to where you are now? It's an amazing journey that this guy has been on. Literally on his deathbed, tumor in his right lung, 
they were, going to, they were going to do one more scan, see exactly where it was, scheduling for surgery the next day. And they took three different pictures and they came back in. They said, Charles, we don't really know how to explain this, but your tumor is gone. And he, he was just, what, overjoyed. He was blown away, couldn't believe it. And Charles has given the rest of his life to serving and blessing other people. And the guy has, doesn't have a car, doesn't have a job, but you know what he does have? He has time, <laughs> and he has a heart to serve other people. And you know what he says he gets from all of that? Joy. He's like, Brady, I get so much joy out of, I guess, I feel like, he goes, the only thing that causes me to regret is I've wasted so much of my time in the past when I wasn't serving other people, when I wasn't blessing other people. Instead, I was just living to serve myself and to get all that the world had to give. You know, he had all those things before, but he lost it all. But now he has Jesus, and he has the joy of learning to serve other people. Speaking of joy, there's a, there's a friend of ours from the Baptist church. Her name is Joy. And Joy and her husband, Trish and I, uh, had an unforeseen un, um, event happen in our life where she was in an accident when she was still holding Eliza in, inside of her. And Emma was two years old. Emma was the young lady singing up here. That's my daughter. It gives me great joy to see my daughter leading worship. It's a blessing. And Emma was two years old in a car seat, and Eliza was still inside of her mother. And Trish had an accident and wrecked one of our cars. It was an old Volvo station wagon. I think it was a tank. I didn't think you could destroy that thing. But my wife actually had this accident, and... Uh, as a result of it, obviously, we didn't, have, we didn't have a vehicle, so we needed another car. And the guy at the time that my wife was working for, he had an extra vehicle, and he donated it to He just gave it to us. It was a real, real blessing. And as a result of that, you have to take it and get it inspected, obviously, here in Missouri. Well, it wasn't going to pass inspection because it needed a muffler and new tires. And a, so this lady named Joy and her husband, they said, we want... We want to put tires on your car and put a muffler on it. And we were like, no, you can't. No, that's okay. You can't do that. And listen to what she says. She says, don't get in the way of my blessing. Don't get in the way of joy's joy of giving. And I think about that, and I want to say a few things to you. If someone offers to bless you, let them. Just let them. Receive it. Receive it gladly and be thankful for it. Because for one, I know that when I receive the blessing, I know there's going to be a time later on down the road where I'm going to be able to give a blessing away. Correct? So receive the blessing. If someone needs a blessing from you, then bless them. If, you, if God puts an opportunity in front of you and you feel like, you know, hey, we could probably help them out or we could bless them right here, right now, um, do that. Now, on a side note, how many of you feel like you have to give every single bell ringer for the Salvation Army, you feel obligated to put something in that bucket? Let's just have a raise of hands, a little confession time. I feel that way, and I feel so terrible when I don't have any money. I don't have any, like, do you take a debit card? Because swipe. They have those smart reader things where you just swipe your card. Maybe you should have one of those things on the side of the kettle. You just go by, swipe your card, and move on. But I always feel bad. I always feel like I have to explain to the person, hey, I don't have any money right now. I'm going to get some. I'll be right back, all right? And I feel like I have to go and put some money in there. Is that a bad thing? 
I don't know. Not, I mean, I don't think obviously you have to give every single time. But if you, feel, if you feel like you have the opportunity and you know someone needs a blessing and God's put you in front of them for a reason, then bless them. I think we are designed to experience joy that comes from giving. I think God has placed that inside of us. Now, in my home, my wife is a good gift giver. She's just very well thought out. She just, the way she does it, and she, she gets so much joy. Like, she got to go out yesterday, and she got to have the whole day to herself, by the way, would give her joy. I know that. And then she got to spend it getting stuff together, getting stuff for other people, and blessing other people. She gets joy from that. Now, Emma, on the other hand, is a really good gift receiver. I just remember, like, how many of you are really good at getting gifts? And you, like, always have a great response, and it's just so natural, just flows out of you. Kylie, are you that way? I can see you being that way. I, on the other hand, I, I feel obligated sometimes to come up with a great response, you know? It's like in a sad movie my kids are watching to see if I cry. I can't cry because they're watching me, you know? But I feel like, how do I respond to this? Like, I want it to be natural. I want it to just flow from my heart. But it doesn't always come easily. But Emma, on the other hand, it just radiates out of her. Like she, it, it, she, you can see it in her cheeks, you know, and in her face. And I just remember she was a little girl and she came downstairs one Christmas and, and the gifts were underneath the tree that they didn't see the night before. And just jumping up and down with just true unfiltered joy. We're designed to feel that. And I think a lot of times we feel it when we are blessing someone else. Think about this. The greatest commandment is to love God, all right, and to love others. The greatest commandment is to love God, love others. And my guess is that's probably why the enemy of our soul, his greatest ploy is to take our focus off of God and off of others. I think that's how he works the best. If he can get us to focus and love something other than God or someone other than God, which typically, if we just be honest, if we look, if we look hard enough, most of the time it's, it's us loving ourselves. And then if it takes our focus then off of loving other people, then we become ineffective in the world that we live in. We, we, and, and you know what? Here's the deal. It's a joy killer in our life because we don't, we don't experience all that God has for us. For one, when we learn how to love God and then love others rightly, the joy that comes from that is amazing. And I think that's, the enemy tries to come against that um, in our world. Hebrews chapter 12. We're going to finish with this passage of Scripture. It kind of goes along with this thought of, of loving God and loving others. Hebrews chapter 12.
we, this, here's a thought. I was just thinking about this as I was turning to this page. We talk about things that can bring us joy. What do you think brings God joy? What do you think? I mean, he's a creator of emotion, you know. What do you think makes God just have unfiltered joy? <laughs> like, he just can't control himself. Our worship, obedience, us, you and me, we have the potential, for sure, <laughs> to bring God great joy. Just like your children, especially when they're, when they're younger around Christmas time, uh, there's such an incredible expectation, isn't there, of just the, of, of what they're going to experience when, when they open the gifts or when we're all together and we're spending time as a family. And, and it, brings us, it brings us joy for sure. So let's look at this, this passage of Scripture. Hebrews chapter 12, starting in verse 1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, for one, if you read Hebrews 11, you'll see some people who who served and gave and, and lived their life of faith for the God. And I'm sure they experienced great joy, even in the midst of great trials. All of them experienced trials in their life. So we're surrounded by them who've gone on before us. And it says that we should throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Thinking about this this morning, all of us have, have a race that God has marked out for us. It's specifically designed for us. Now, the, the great thing is, is we get to experience the race with other people. We're not alone running it. But it's specifically designed just for you. And along that course is going to be opportunities to bless, opportunities to give, opportunities to receive as you're running the race. There's going to be times where you're going to need to stop and rest. There's going to be times where you're going to need to run hard and run long and, and don't stop for a long period of time. There's a, uh, a young lady in this room this morning, she puts on Facebook her running course that she does, and she showed the picture of this one particular hill. <laughs> Kayla, I saw this the other day. I looked at this hill, and I'm thinking, that's how life feels sometimes when you're just at the bottom of it, and you're looking up, and you're thinking, I've got to do that. And you don't want to. You want to give up because on the race that we're running, there are times where we do have doubts and fears. We, we, we don't want to run. We're afraid of what's going to happen if we do run. We're afraid we're not going to make it. Right, how many of us are so afraid of failing? How many of us this morning are maybe afraid that we're going to get the wrong gift for someone and they're not going to like it? How many of us have ever felt that way before? And the expectations that we have of others is not going to be, they're not going to meet our expectations. It's just not going to happen. How many of us feel that way? But this race is marked out for us. And we look at it and we say, well, I got to do it. I can't, I can't stop now. I got to keep running. And that's one of the reasons why he says, throw off anything that's keeping you from running well. That's one of the reasons why we gather in a place like this. We come together so that we can look inward 
We can look around inside of our lives and say, God, is there anything that's keeping me from being all that you want me to be? Is there anything that is keeping me from experiencing the joy that you want me to experience today? And we're running this race that he's marked out for us. Run with perseverance, it says. Don't give up. What produces perseverance? Counting it joy when we're going through difficult times produces perseverance in us so that we don't give up and run this race that's marked out for us. Fixing, here's the key right here, fixing our eyes on Jesus, who is the pioneer, the one who's gone on before us, and the perfecter of our faith. In, in one passage, or one translation of the Bible, it says he's the author and the finisher of your faith. Here's a cool thing. God never not finishes anything. God always finishes the race. <laughs> From the very beginning of the Bible to the end, God finishes or starts and he will finish what he started. And whatever he's doing in you this morning, whatever he started inside of you, he will be faithful to finish it. He never gives up. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. So listen to this, this, this amazing thought. And I, asked, I called a couple different pastors um, that, I, that are important to me in my life, and I said, what is the joy that was set before Jesus? They said, this one guy said, I had a vision one time of, 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 of I was like there with Jesus carrying the cross. And as Jesus looked up, like just like as I look out this morning, I see all of these faces. And Jesus looks up and he sees the nations. Like he's able to see through the eyes of Jesus. And he sees the nations, the people, the ones who 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 have been faithful, the ones who have loved him and put their faith and trust in him. He says he sees multitudes of people. And then God allows him to see him. Can you imagine? For the joy set before Jesus being you and being me, and Jesus sees you on the other end of the cross, though. I mean, Jesus has to endure the cross to get to you. I mean, you think a hill to run up is difficult. You think difficult things that we face in our own life are hard to go through, and, and, and they are, and we need each other, and we need to, to, to encourage one another. But Jesus goes through the cross in order to experience the joy that was set before him. And that's you and me. And I said, well, you know, I'd also heard that the joy set before uh, Jesus was for the glory of God. Well, nothing brings God more glory than seeing you give your life to him. Nothing. When us, his children, the ones he's breathed life into, finally realize that God's got a race marked out for us and he's asking us to get rid of things that are hindering us so that we can run with perseverance, so that we can experience him in a new and fresh way. Nothing brings God more joy than that. You and me bring him great joy. He's got a gift that he's prepared for each one of us. It's interesting that the Greek word for joy is related 
to the word that means grace. Grace is this expression of thankfulness for being forgiven and accepted by God. We rejoice in God for the reconciliation that comes between us and God through the death and resurrection of Jesus. This divine exchange of our guilt for his righteousness. That is grace. That is when we get what we don't deserve. When we realize that God is willing to give us what we don't deserve, and we receive that as his gift, that should bring great joy to you and me. That should be the one thing that keeps us getting up every single morning and running the race that he's marked out for us. That one thought right there. And as a result of it, as we receive the, the gift and the mercy and love from God, and we learn to love him back, then the natural flow of that is to turn around and love other people and to experience the joy that comes when we serve and give. I'll just be honest with you. That is the key to life, ladies and gentlemen. Just really, I don't really have anything else other than that to offer you. I mean, that's the key. When you figure that out, it will change everything. I'm like Charles. I, I get so much joy out of blessing somebody else. But the reason why is because I've been blessed first. I love because he first loved me. Does that make sense? I give out of the overflow of what I've been given. And you can't do it for any other reason than that. We're going to finish our time this morning. I just want you to um, you just bow your heads. And I want you to I guess I just want you to think about have you received this gift? This gift from God. As you're sitting there thinking, I, this picture in my mind, I, when we're doing gifts at my house, I, I always want to wait till the end. Like I store up all of my gifts to the end. I don't want it to be over too soon. I want to savor the moment. Well, I don't want you to do that this morning with the gift that God is willing to give you right now. Don't wait to open it. Do not wait. Receive it gladly right now. So this morning, if if you're here with your eyes closed and head bowed, if you've never received the gift of God by putting your faith in Jesus Christ, I want to give you this opportunity this morning to receive that gift. Would you just pray right where you're at? Just pray this prayer. Lord, I come to you this morning. I come with doubt. I come with some fear, some fear of being rejected. Not only by people, but maybe fear of just being rejected by you, God.
Maybe, Lord, I, I feel like I just, I'm not worthy of this gift that you want to give me. But I come to you this morning and I, and I just, I offer myself to you. That's all I've got is me. So would you take my life? Would you please help me throw off anything that's, in, that's hindering me right now from running this race that you've marked out for me? If there's some sin in my life, God, that I need to confess, God, bring it to my mind so that I confess it right now. And then I know, God, you're faithful to forgive me of my sin. I thank you that Jesus was willing to, to leave the joy of heaven, to come to earth, be obedient to even dying on a cross and he and God I believe that he died for me today and would you help me to believe that and to receive that and then God would you help me to learn how to bless and serve others to make my life not about me but about others giving and finding the joy that comes in that too I ask that you would do that in Jesus name amen I do not know if you've prayed that prayer this morning and received God's gift. I don't, I don't know that. I'm, I'm not a prophetic pastor. I can't look at you and read your mind. Um, part of me is kind of glad I can't do that. <laughs> you know, one of the reasons why is because it's between you and the Lord, and you need to respond to God. If that was you this morning, and you said, you know, I did. I made that commitment. I prayed today to receive this gift. That, uh, that God has for me. I want to experience that joy that comes with that. If that's you this morning, then here's what you would need to do. You would need to somehow let me know that. You would need to take the next step. So I, I got to let, let the pastor know I did that this morning. And, and that's your responsibility. I've just handed it back to you now. And you've got to decide whether you, if it was real and that's something you did you made a confession of faith today to put your faith in Jesus, come and let me know. I'd love to, to know that. I'd love to be able to pray with you and encourage you in that. That'd be great. As you get ready to leave this morning, if you came prepared to give, we would love for you to, uh, to participate in what we're doing here at the Calling Community Church, continue to, to grow and to take care of the things that are necessary to make church happen. Um, so that as you walk out this morning, you can place your gift in the offering basket. That's, a, that's another way of worshiping God as you leave today. Like, hey, I give part of what God's given me. I give it back. It's a real blessing to do that. We'll have someone stationed at each door to, to make that happen. Hey, thank you for coming this morning. I always, I always this is an odd time of the service because, like, I never really, I don't really want to leave, but at the same time, we got to leave. The Chiefs aren't that great, but they do start here in about 30 minutes, right? <laughs> um, but, you know, we still want to go home and watch it. But please try to take a moment today to, to, to speak to somebody. You know, I've heard that one of the signs of an unfriendly church is you might show up and you might sit there and nobody ever say anything to you. Wouldn't that be sad? Can you imagine that? Can you imagine going through a day and nobody says anything to you and speaks to you and be kind to you? All right? But, we, but that happens in church sometimes, and it shouldn't. We should be, we don't want to be awkward about it, be uncomfortable. We don't want to be too, you know, we don't want to be pushy, but just be, meet somebody new today. Make, make a new friend and at least get their name. And try real hard to remember their name the next time you see them, which is a struggle sometimes, even for me. I wish I could just take a picture of everybody and just put their name in my phone that I could always remember. That'd be awesome. Um, but next week, 
next week, the, the kids program, fun time. Invite fr- friends and family to come. It'll be, it'll be cute. It won't be perfect, but you know what? Neither are we. And so that's all right. It's going to be, it's going to be good because it's your kids. And, and you get joy out of watching. It doesn't matter whether they're perfect or not. So um, God sees us the same way because we're not perfect by any means. All right? So may God fill you with joy to the point that it overflows onto those around you. Not so that they can see you and say, wow, you're awesome, but that they can see the Lord and see how amazing he is. Like, that's the purpose. Point it all up. Just like, it's all, it's all God. Does that make sense? All right, bless you and have a great day.